WABC. One man has a talk show on 77 WABC, and that man's name is... It's Dominic Carter. I am him. And with us now, Dominic Carter. Nice to be with you, Dominic. It gets better. You need to talk to Dominic Carter. It's about to go down. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good evening, good evening, good evening, folks. I hope you had a great weekend. Dominic Carter here with you, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Over the course of the next two hours, and thank you, Curtis Sliwa, we have a lot to get to. A U.S. warship, a U.S. warship, multiple commercial ships attacked in the Red Sea. According to the Pentagon, Democrats ready to nominate ex-Congressman Tom Swazi to reclaimed, reclaim expelled George Santos seat. We'll see what Republicans do, who they put up as Santos is threatening to drop a dime on his colleagues. Horrific. And I mean, horrific news stories of Hamas attacks in Israel surface including something that we all knew was going on. The brutal rapes of women, one woman who screamed to be killed. This as Israel has launched its 10,000 airstrike in Gaza, 700 people reported killed in the past 24 hours. No one else to blame for this, but Hamas. Israel has every right to defend itself. News drop last Friday when no one was paying attention about Derek Chauvin, the officer in the George Floyd case that was stabbed in federal prison 22 times. 22 times by an FBI informant. The suspect, 52-year-old John Tursak, Uh, told investigators the date of the attack, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, was intended to invoke, guess what, the Black Lives Matter movement, according to the criminal complaint and the black hand symbol associated with the Mexican mafia. The suspect told the correction officers that he would have killed Chauvin had they not responded so Quickly, according to the complaint, the suspect is serving a 30-year prison sentence for carrying out crimes while working as a federal informant. In Queens, as I was just discussing with Curtis Sliwa, a man's sister is reflecting on his life. Her brother, uh, before mental illness, consumed him and is remembering him as a caring, loving man despite the horrors of today, stating he was a good person. He was happy. I just want everyone to know mental illness is really serious. It really is. I've talked about this on this program. I will continue to talk about it in terms of uh, my own background that, that I ran from for years of my life, My mother's uh, mental illness is a chronic paranoid schizophrenic from the medications to the hospitalizations to, to the voices that she would hear to the severe beatings that I would receive to the hospitalizations that I would receive uh, at the hands of her attack. When, when these individuals who need help, when they're off their medication 
or they're dehydrated or something else may be at play, you are looking at a very explosive situation. And that is exactly what happened in Queens today. A woman fighting for her life after her nephew stabbed her and killed four of her family members. She had opened her home to the mentally ill man facing homelessness just weeks before his murderous uh, rampage. Police shot and killed 38-year-old Courtney Gordon after he stabbed two police officers responding to the home on Beach 22nd Street near Elk Drive in Far Rockaway about 510 this morning. Prior to that, Gordon stabbed the 61-year-old aunt, Christine Watson, an 11-year-old girl, a 12-year-old boy, a 44-year-old woman, and a man in his 30s before setting fire to the house. But I'm starting with a different topic tonight, a live interview. Last week, many of you heard me talk about on the radio my friend Tamara Tucci. And Tamara, I call her uh, Tammy, she's dealing with breast cancer. She's a longtime WABC listener. And Tamara, something that's a very, very private matter, is set to have a double mastectomy five days from Christmas. Five days from Christmas. And she has agreed to share her personal story right now with the hopes of helping others that might be in her situation. And it, it, it really is a, a tough one because um, Tamara is going to join me in just one second. Uh, we, we talk, we talk uh, quite a bit. And um, she had called me one day a few months ago and told me the situation. And it was really bothering me on a personal level inside because I Like I do with anyone I know, if I give you my word that I won't say anything to anyone, it's going to stay that way. And so Tamara is going to join us right now, and she's also going to be taking your live telephone calls. You can reach us. You can reach Tamara on the topic of breast cancer at 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We say good evening to you, Tamara. How are you? Hi, Dominic. How are you feeling? I am doing well. I uh, was listening to Curtis and Nancy, and they were talking about squirrels. That's one of my favorite things to do is go feed the squirrels every day. So I was glued to the uh, to listening to Curtis. But uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Okay. So you live in Florida. And I, I want you, I understand this is very personal in nature. And thank you for, for out of the kindness of your heart, willing to share your story to benefit and to help others. Tell us your story, Tammy. So October of this year, I was scheduled for my regular routine yearly mammogram. So I went to do that. The next day, they called me to tell me that they saw something on the pictures and they wanted to redo the pictures. So I didn't think much of it at that time. So I went 
for um, more photos. And the spot was still there. So they said they wanted to get a better look at it and uh, schedule me for an MRI. So I go in for the MRI and the MRI showed three more spots. So I had a total of four spots, three, three on one side, one on the other. And um, everything just started moving quickly after that. They, I have like three different doctors now. Um, I, I had an ultrasound to pinpoint exactly where all these spots were, and they scheduled um, multiple biopsies. So they had to go in, do biopsies on each spot, which was not fun. And um, it did show that all four spots were positive for cancer. And I have, it's called invasive ductal carcinoma. And I have had second opinion. Other doctors look at all my scans. And I am scheduled for a double mastectomy December 20th. And I am trying to cope with it the best I can. And um, I would love anybody to give me some advice, um, suggestions. I have changed my diet. I've been exercising more. I've just changed a lot about my life. I'm, I'm just trying to get through this the best I can. And so this all happened very fast, correct? Very fast. Very fast. Yeah. October, I just went for my yearly. And here we are, um, <laughs> December, going to have a double mastectomy. So when when you and I first talked, they had they had they had found the uh, the lumps and uh, and I did what I always try to do. And that's the glass is always half full as opposed to a half empty and to try and be positive. And then that's when they had to bring you in to do the surgical test. Am I describing this correct? Yeah, the biopsies. They had to go in to um, all four spots. They had to go in and take a sample, a needle biopsy, take a sample to test it to see if it was indeed cancer. And they all came back with cancer, all four spots. And um, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because, you know, I, I lead a pretty healthy lifestyle. I never smoked. I don't drink. Um, I actually cut out all caffeine, uh, most sugars. I'm still eating a few sweets here and there. But um, I, I'm trying to do everything right. And, um, yeah, it's just moving so quickly. I and so I, I recall the first phone call. And by the way, uh, we have a lot of telephone calls for you, Tammy, right now. And Tammy also has a GoFundMe page, which is titled, or a friend set up a uh, GoFundMe page for her. It's titled Breast Cancer Fundraiser for Tamara Tucci. So uh, calls for, for all over the country are coming in right now for you, Tamara. But Okay, so I I remember the uh, the first phone phone call, and uh, and again I was trying to stay positive, and I was about to MC an event, and I told you that, and then you told me the news, and all I could try to do was try to be strong for my friend you, 
But as soon as you got off the phone, I wanted to cancel the event that I had emceeing that night. But it was it was Uh-oh. 30 minutes away from the event. And, and I just I had to put on a public mask and go forward, even though I was not feeling it, uh, given that my friend, you are, are in pain, you know, on an emotional level. But but what I'm trying to ask of you is I remember that call well. And then I remember uh, and we we're about to start with some of the calls from Brooklyn to Pennsylvania to New Jersey to uh, to Queens. And I remember when you called me back uh after the surgical test, we, you and I spoke the night you came home and you said that you were very medicated and in tremendous pain. And this lasted for a couple of days. And then you called me back and you said it almost non-emotionally. You said, I have cancer. I have to uh, have a, a double mastectomy. Uh, have you have you talked to any of the professionals or, or, or is there professional help available for people dealing with situations like this? Do you know of? Well, well, first, I just I just want to tell you, I don't remember those phone calls, really, because I, I was just stunned. Um, I probably was a basket case, but I don't know. No, you um, were very strong. You were very strong. Was I? Yes. Was I, I, yes. I really I, I don't really remember much about it. I just was like shocked. Um, but as far as um, someone to talk to, so um, the hospital that I'm going through, they they, um, they do have sh- uh, social workers, but also they pair you up with a phone mentor who has also been through this. And she's been a big help to me, telling me what supplies I'm going to need after surgery. Um, you know, something as simple as button-down shirts. Um, you know, because I'm not going to be able to lift my arms. Yeah, she's just been a really big help to me. But I don't think, I don't think reality has really set in yet. Um, it, it probably won't until I am checking into the hospital that day. But I am doing the best that I can. I really am. I'm, I'm you know, I like I said, I, I walk every day. I exercise. I try to go to the gym at least three times a week. Um, I try to do something pleasant and just get my mind off of everything. And so was chemotherapy an option for you or no? So that will not be discussed until after the surgery. So you still may have to deal with that. Oh, they, they have to, after the surgery, they will send send it to the lab to see, you know, if it's spread. So, yeah, I don't know anything about chemotherapy right now. And so we're we're talking about essentially a a life-saving surgery. That's the bottom line. Yes. Yes. Have you... Really, and folks, we see your calls coming in from around the country. We'll start with them momentarily. Have you really thought about what's going to happen? And and are you going to have uh, reconstructive uh, surgery? I am. Actually, tomorrow I meet with the plastic surgeon, and they were, they're going to go over 
what they're going to do. I think tomorrow reality might start setting in when they when they tell me about the reconstruction. Um, I'm I'm really living in a fog these days. Um, but yeah, I meet the the plastic surgeon tomorrow, and at that time, he will give me a better idea of you know how long the recovery is going to be and uh how long i will probably be out of work and uh yeah so <laughs> that's what i'm dealing with so please please forgive the fact that i don't know this information but no. something you said just stood out mm-hmm. to me you said after mm-hmm. surgery you won't be able to lift your arms yeah, no, because they're going to remove lymph nodes from under my arms. And and and, and the double mast, mastectomy as well? A double mastectomy, and they will remove, I don't know how many lymph nodes, um, but they will remove lymph nodes from underneath both arms. And, the armpit. and you, 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 this started in October, and... October. <laughs> yeah. And here we are. Yeah. It it just everything. I I don't know how many doctor appointments I've been to, but it's just been moving quick, quick, quick. I, I will tell you one thing. Um, July, August, I started feeling very tired. I mean, I was falling asleep in my car, at my, in my driver's seat, just like nodding out. And it, it's like something's not right with me. Um, I tried to donate blood a couple different times and I couldn't donate blood because my iron was so low. And I was like, wow, something is just not right. Uh, my friends and family were saying, are you losing weight? Are you okay? And, uh, so I knew something was not right with me. So that was the first indicator, but there was no pain anywhere, but, um, October came around and, you know, then I said, oh, okay, now all this makes sense. But again, October, you go for your yearly exam and by December, you know, what we're in right now, a double mastectomy, have you thought about the fact that it's five days from Christmas or just Christmas is, is not important to you at this point. I, I know. And I even asked them, I said, can we not wait until after the holidays? Because, you know, I wanted to spend Christmas with my family and they said they cannot wait. This cannot wait any longer because they don't want it to spread any further because if they go in now there's a very big chance that they can get it without it spreading so that's why they have to do it now so i'm about to start with uh telephone calls coming in from around the country but i do want to ask you this and and uh we are chatting right now with Tamara Tucci, a longtime WABC listener. Tamara has breast cancer and is set to have a double mastectomy five days from Christmas. Given what you've gone through, how important is it for women uh, to get screened? And if you hadn't done your screening, you wouldn't have known your situation, correct? 
That's correct. And let me just add that only one spot showed up on the mammogram. They did not find the other three until they did an MRI on me. So that's very concerning right there because how many, how many breast cancers are, are going undetected with just standard mammograms? If they did not do that MRI on me, they would have not caught the other three um, tumors. So that's very concerning to me. So yes, please, women, go for your yearly mammogram, please. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was not going to go this year because it was already October. Holidays were about to start. I was like, oh, I don't want to go do this. They've been good for the past five years or whatever. I was like, I don't need to go. I feel fine. And... um Something told me, no, just go get it done. And I'm glad that I did. And so am I. So am I. I'm very <laughs> glad that you went. Let's start with the telephone calls. A lot of people want to talk to you. Let's begin with Kerry in New Jersey. Kerry is a cancer survivor. Good evening, Kerry. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good evening, Dominic. Tamara, have you talked to Dr. Lederman? I haven't. I, I don't live in New York anymore. I, I left New York about 13 years ago and I live in Florida. Right. So, 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 and, and this is happening. This is way, this is very, very, very serious at this point. Let's go to Loretta in Brooklyn. Good evening, Loretta. Good evening, Dominic and Tamara. Uh, sweetheart, my heart bleeds for you. Have you gotten a second opinion, third opinion, something of that nature yet? I, I I have yes I I have I I got second opinions and I have actually four different doctors I got two surgeons I got the oncologist and then the general practitioner so yes I I've had several eyes on all my my MRIs. Well, uh, we were trying to hide the the c word from my mother back then, and my my yeah. brother yeah my, my she already had two strokes. And my brother took the x-rays to Sloan Kettering Memorial, and uh, they confirmed what we already knew, that surgery was necessary. Um, But it it was a different situation with my mother. So Sloan Kettering is is not possible for you, right? No, no. I, I left New York 13 years ago. I'm a Florida resident now. Yeah. Uh, I can't do much. But uh, I would like to contribute something. I don't have computer or any technology. Uh, I would like to send something, but it would have to be by check. I don't expect you to give me your address. I could send it to the station if you would let me. And um, I just need the correct spelling of your name because I don't even have a cell phone. I can't do anything other than send a check. And it wouldn't be that much. It would be what I could do. Uh, I, I want to feel like I can help in some way. Loretta, thank you so much. And just by talking to me, you're doing more than enough. And I appreciate that. Um, well, it sounds like such a stressful condition that you're living under right now. And stress is adding to your medical problems. 
And um, it may sound silly, stupid, but uh, if you can hear a little music, anything that uplifts you, um, uh, whatever music that helps you, that makes you feel better, uh, it's a positive energy. And and, um, we're in short supply of positive energy, all of us. Um, I don't want to keep you on the phone. A lot of people want to contribute um, and and give you their input. Um, Could I send a check? Uh, Is it possible? Would you let me? Um, Dominic, I guess. Right. We we, we have to figure that out. We have to figure that out. Uh, What what we can uh, legally and legally, (laughs) what we can legally do uh, at the radio station. Loretta, thank you so much for the call. Hey, Loretta, before I let you go, and by by the way, by the way, Tamara, quite a few calls are coming in for people from you that are cancer survivors themselves. So, like, for example, I'm about to go to Kathy in Manhattan, who's a breast cancer survivor. But, Loretta, it sounded like you got emotional for a second there. I'm just curious why. Because I can't do much to help, and I I need to help. Um, um, I I don't have experience with this myself. I just know know what we went through with my mother, and it wasn't breast cancer. It it was um, um, cancer of the vulva. And uh, they said, no question, she has to have the surgery. They had her all prepped on the table and ready to go. Um, I started a new job in Manhattan. My brother said, that's not my mother. I can't tell you what to do, but she may need you more after the surgery. So I didn't go to the hospital. But her blood pressure was fluctuating so much, they aborted the surgery, and they went with uh, radiation and that's what worked in my mother's case. Uh, my sister um, did have one breast removed, and my nephew, her son, um, because cancer ran on that side, um, he passed a week before Christmas with presents under the tree. He married his second wife in the hospital, wanting to leave everything to her because the prognosis was not good. So... Um, Geez, I'm sweating here. Um, I can't do much. I have to do something. I, I understand. I understand. Loretta, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll figure this out here. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Kathy in Manhattan, good evening. What's on your mind? Hi, Dominic, at Tamara. Um, one thing first, my sister um, would get her mammograms every year also, and uh, they never saw anything showed up. And then when she was showering one day, she felt the lump. So, you know, it, you know, the, it does mammograms aren't always certain, I guess is what I'm saying. But uh, anyway, she's she's fine. She went through all the treatment, but it wasn't a mastectomy. But, you know, just sometimes you just can't find you just don't know what's happening, you know, um, from certain tests. Now, Kathy, are, are you are you a breast cancer survivor? You know, I'm I call I'm a colon cancer survivor from like five years ago, but that was like so it was the same thing. I was feeling fine. I went in for my first colonoscopy and left. I had a, a malignant tumor the size of a grapefruit in my colon. Like who? My. What is that <laughs> all about? And all of a sudden, it was a whirlwind of doctors, and I couldn't go to Florida. You have to just do this now, and uh, it's the same thing, but. 
I am doing well now, but that was a, it was an experience. You're sitting there and you're like, well, what, what is, what's going on here? Yeah. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for the call. I've got to take a break, but before I do so, I want to go to Indiana. And again, Tamara, calls are coming in from all over America as it relates to you uh, stepping up to reveal something very private that you have breast cancer. You said to have a double mastectomy five days from Christmas. I want to go before we take a break to Cindy in Indiana. Good evening, Cindy. You are talking uh, with Tamara Tucci and Dominic Carter. Well, hi, Dominic and Tamara. Um, hi. Hi, Kewitt. Hi. Um, I, I couldn't help. I had to call. Um, I also had had breast cancer and had both of my breasts removed in 2019. And when I heard you say that the, uh, someone had suggested that you wear button-down um, shirts, that's also good for pajamas as well. You want to have button-down pajamas because um, you wouldn't okay. be able to it's you'll you'll need it um you know to uh, it, it is true about lifting up your arms um but another thing that i uh, i thought about there were um these nurse navigators here in indiana that were very helpful to me and they gave me these little pillows and what the little pillows were for was if you rode in a car and you put your seatbelt on those little pillows would go across um so you so you want some kind of cushioning for when you ride in the car and maybe that person already told you about that but but actually no it's something to writing i'm writing that down right now so So if you can't find like little soft pillows these the pillows that there were people here that made the pillows Um, Cindy, as someone who's gone through this, this exact situation that Tamara is about to go through five days from Christmas as it relates to breast cancer, what is the best advice you can offer her? I don't know, because I believe I've had cancer twice. I had cancer. um, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was in my 30s and I had breast cancer just recently. So and both of those. situations were they were very different um as far as the treatment and everything goes but uh, my advice i guess would be to um just everybody's gonna want to give you advice so and tell you how to feel or how tell you this and that you got to feel what you feel feel what you feel and if you feel like crying cry if you you know I've always, I felt like there were times when people were un, felt uncomfortable around me and if, and if they probably didn't know what to say, but, um, yes. if you know, but if you, you know, it, it sometimes you feel like you got to put on this happy, positive face all the time for people to, so that they'll feel better. So you take care of you. Cause this, this, you're going to need you during this time. So it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel whatever you want to feel. And that, that is the main thing that I would say, because you're not, you and I are different. My experience is, is different from what you're going to experience. And that's one thing, you know, everybody's going to be wanting to give you advice. And, um, so that, and, and 
the thing that I got from those nurse navigators, they sent me like little cards and little things and they said, never give up. And so that would be my advice to you is never give up. There's going to be days when you're going to feel bad, but never ever give up because you're, you, you, you can beat this. You're strong. You're tough. You're going to find strength from inside that you never knew you had. And you can beat this. And along with the doctors and, and all the support that you're going to get, um, you can beat this. And cancer is not going to win. That's, that's what I got to say to you. Cancer's not hey, going to hey, win, honey. Cindy, I, I, want, I want to hear Tamara's reaction to what you just said, but I want you to hold on, Cindy, please, because I do have one more question for you. But I've got to take, as someone who's been through this, but I've got to take a break. We are chatting with Tamara Tucci, a longtime WABC listener. Tamara has breast cancer, set to have a double mastectomy five days from Christmas. Tamara, I want you to stay with me up until the top of the hour. We have a lot of calls coming in for you. Can you do that? Yes. Okay, so please hold on. Cindy, please stay with me. Folks, we'll be right back. WABC. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back. Dominic Carter here with you. We are chatting with Tamara Tucci, a longtime WABC listener. She has breast cancer, set to have a double mastectomy five days from Christmas, and she's a friend. And I have to tell you, Tamara, I'm going to go back to Cindy in Indiana in a second, but I have to tell you that I'm very proud of you because it's not easy to discuss personal situations. And you're putting your story before the world right now of uh, something that you're dealing with. And Tamara, a friend, has uh, opened a GoFundMe page for her. I'm looking at it right now. It has $1,800 with the goal of $11,000. And uh, it says here that uh, your friend, uh, Monet Johnston, she wants you to not be stressed out and be able to help ease the burden of your expenses for the next few months while you recover and help you get through the holidays without stress. And so I want to go back to Cindy in Indiana. And Cindy, are you still with me? Yes, I am. And I'm sorry if I came on too strong. No, Cindy, no, 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 no. You're doing doing wonderful. The question that I have for you, Cindy, with Tamara listening to you right now is because this is something that I, I, you know, I I can't relate to. But 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 even though men have had breast cancer before, but but when when you come out, of, you said you had a double mastectomy yourself, correct? That's that's correct. Okay, so if you don't mind sharing with Tamara and I want you two to talk to each other. What is it like when you come out of surgery and realize that your life has changed forever physically? Um, the, and here's probably where I might, where I, when I said everybody's different for me, I envisioned this awful cancer in my body and I wanted it gone. So when my breasts were removed, I was grateful. The cancer is gone. Now, that doesn't mean that I 
am thrilled um, thrilled because I didn't have reconstructive surgery. That doesn't mean, you know, not, I'm, that I'm thrilled not to have them because it's part of being a woman. But for me at the moment when I, when, when, um, cause you are kind of numb, you're kind of in a zone, you're in a zone where you just have to keep forging forward. At that time, when I got out of surgery, uh, plus you're, you know, fuzzy feeling and, uh, you know, foggy, but I, from the very beginning when my oncologist told me, you know, what I, what needed to be done, I was like, you know, let's do it because, because living, I'd rather be alive with no breast than not here on this earth four years later. So that's my, that's the best I can offer you from my perspective. Now, somebody else um, might, you know, Thank, thank you, Cindy. Tomorrow, I want you to talk to Cindy before she goes and react to what she just said. So right now, I'm in the anger and denial stage. I, I still can't believe this is real. I, um, I'm, I'm not happy about losing my breast. And, and I, I hear what you're saying. You're, you're happy to get rid of the cancer. Yes, I want the cancer gone, but... I'm just in denial and I'm very angry. I, I feel that my body uh, failed me, if, if that makes sense. But um, but I think tomorrow when I meet the plastic surgeon, I, I think I'm going to start, it's going to really start hitting me that this is real. This is about to happen. So I don't know how I'm going to feel the day of surgery, though. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure yet. Cindy and Indiana, we want to thank you for your call and for the advice and tips that you're offering to Tamara Tucci as she's about to have a double mastectomy. And so let's go to the next call. Linda, Long Island. Good evening, Linda. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi. Thank you. I just want a little bit less stress. I want to tell you something. I'm a 25-year survivor of breast cancer. Um, which I never thought would happen 25 years because I kept saying, you know, it's coming back, you know, in my head, like you are thinking now the stress of what's going to happen. I kept yes. thinking, you know, they kept saying you'll be in remission, you know, before that you'll be in remission and it'll, it could come back anytime. And I lived with that in the beginning, but then I realized later, oh, well, I'll tell you, I, I don't want to make it that long, but I want to tell you the good news now. Um, I had to have, that's the way it was 25 years ago. I had to have, I found that later, 24 lymph nodes removed from under my arm, as you know, right? And now they changed that. A friend of mine had it, and she had 17, she told me. And that was, let me tell you something, the most excruciating pain that I ever had, that operation, for that alone, just for that. And it was complicated, and it was drained. I never even know what that knew what that was. It was a whole big deal. They don't do that anymore. That was the most painful thing. Today they're taking out one, right? Uh, lymph nodes. I don't know how many what? they're going to remove. Yeah. Well, they don't do. They don't do. You know, it's changed. They're not going to do that. Oh, That's okay. Okay, okay. So you won't have that. 
believe me, a lot of people, a lot of women suffered from that. That was the hardest part, worse than the chemo. Now, I had a surgeon that was very, very good because um, he threatened me. I didn't want to have chemo. And he said to me, if you don't have the chemo, you're going to have to sign a paper for me saying I'm not responsible for what happens to you, right? So mm-hmm. he scared me into it. So I did the, the <laughs> I went, you know, like you, like you, I felt exactly the way you feel now, that everything, you know, that everything's in your head. You don't know, never know what, right? You're thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. Now I went through, I went through, uh, you know, the first one, I went through that. And then I went through the chemo, right, over months. Uh, uh, that was not good, you know, but you get over it. Uh, and then the radiation every single day for weeks and weeks. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know. if you, Are you not doing radiation, right? Are you? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know yet. I won't know that till I'm closer to surgery. Uh-huh. Um, I have several more doctor appointments before okay. I even have surgery. Yeah. Okay. Let me just tell you, if you have if you have radiation, don't worry about that. That's not painful. Okay. That has no pain. Okay. I worried a lot about the pain. You know, obviously what's going to happen. But I'm, you know, I'm a coward. I, I couldn't worried about the pain. Okay. So you you're not going to have the, the worst the worst part of it. That you won't have that. Um, and most of it is now in your head, right? Because I know what it felt like. Now, after the whole thing was over, after it, you know, in the beginning, it's, you know, it could come back any minute, you know, you got like, it's so bad. But um, another doctor came in to see me because I wasn't seeing the uh, uh, um, surgeon Linda, anymore. Linda, I got I to wrap this up. So so just please, okay. just conclude the it, please. The last line. Okay, I just want to tell you that. He said to me, they always say there's no cure. Right? There's no cure. He said to me, you've been cured. So there is no such thing as the woman before me said, everyone is different. And don't worry. That You know, I know everyone says, don't worry. But try and think about it. That it's not as bad as you feel now. It's not going to be. Right? You'll get through it, and you won't have the stress you have now. Thank Think you. Think about Thank that. You. Thank, Thank you, you, Linda. Thank you. Tamara, before you respond, I want to go to Shelly in New York. Shelly, you're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Tamara. Hello. Tamara. Tamara. Hello. Can you, Hello? Yes. you Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, darling. I want to tell you I had invasive ductal carcinoma, left breast at age 44, I'll be, uh, I'm sorry, at age 47, I will be 66 in February. And, um, okay, so that's number one. Number two, I was a, a little different from you because I started at the age of 30 having a mammogram and then a sonogram. And you're correct. Mammogram doesn't show everything. If you have dense and cystic, dense and cystic breast, you must have a mammogram and sonogram. So I was the type of woman that kept all my reports. I'm the type of woman that wanted to know every little thing. To be quick, I still have my breast. 
I wanted to take them off. It wasn't necessary. Um, I had stage two. I knew my pathology. I knew everything. They removed, I think, one sentinel lymph node and three other nodes. They found some cancer cells all the way deep down, and they wanted to remove more. I did not let them because I did not want to get lymphedemia. I also want to tell you that I was jogging, swimming, and weightlifting every single day, and I still got cancer. I did not have the BRCA gene, and I'm telling you two resources that helped me a lot. One of them is Dr. or I don't know if she's a doctor, but let's call her Dr. Susan Love's breast book. If you can remember that name, because it's for the lay person, it shows diagrams and it doesn't make you scared and it helps you. The other thing is I was very lucky because I went to Park Avenue radiologist on parking 63rd since college with all sorts of jogging and all sorts of injury stuff. And everybody knew me. And I was treated like gold. I also, meaning I had a mammogram, sonogram, MRI. Every three months, I made that decision after having the chemo and radiation. After the chemo and radiation in the other breast, they found some spots. And my doctor, who was great, wanted to leave them in for three months. I said, no, I want them out now. I was that type of a person. I've had eight operations for cancer, but what saved my life, but again, this was me and medicine was different. Um, What saved my life is every three months, I decided that I was gonna have a mammal sono and MRI. And if something was in my breast, I wanted it out now. I was not gonna wait three months. But again, that was me. Okay. All I want to tell you is don't worry and be proactive. Do not be scared. Please, I love you. And you're going to be Thank you. I don't want you to be scared. And by the way, um, I'm also in Florida, but I'm in New York. Please, darling, I love you. Another resource I want you to have is cancer care. Reason is They will pay for things maybe towards rent. They'll pay for um, car service. They will pay for things. So please reach out to them. And they have different therapists that you can just talk to. And they are so terrific and so wonderful. So please, I'm going to tell you again, I love you. Be around good people. Don't be afraid. Know your pathology. Do not be angry with your body because I was athletic and, and juicing and all of that and thin, and it just happens. Shelly, thank you. So I, I, I have to step Bye, in. Thank, I love you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you, Shelly. The, the, love, the love goes right back at you. Tamara, I, you. I've got to take a break. I want you to think of a uh, response to Shelly in just a second. A lot of calls are, are, are continuing to come in for you. As you are revealing that you're dealing with uh, with breast cancer, a double mastectomy, 
five days from Christmas. I, You know, we haven't heard much from you the last couple of minutes because people are calling to wish you well, as you just heard Shelly say that, that she loves you. And, uh, and again, th- there is a GoFundMe page for Tamara Tucci, a uh, breast cancer fundraiser for her. That's how you can find it, Tamara Tucci on GoFundMe. I've got to take a break. We'll be right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. Everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are back. Tamara, we only have uh, a few minutes left, and I'm, obviously I'm going to follow your situation as you get closer to your surgery for breast cancer and after the fact, if you still want to talk about it publicly. Uh, before I try to get to some more calls, I do want to ask you uh, this. How overwhelming has it been to have a breast cancer diagnosis? It's very overwhelming. Um to the last caller, I, I do want to add that I, too, um, am not a BRCA gene carrier. I don't have a family history of it. I I exercise daily. I also juice. So the anger phase right now, I, I, I am angry at my body. I, I'm just, I, I'll get over it. I will. But um, so I think she understands me very well. And uh, as far as uh, this being overwhelming, um, I, I can't sleep. I, you know, the anxiety. Uh, I'm, I know I'm going to be out of work. I, I'm just wondering uh, how long it's going to take me to recover physically and mentally. Um, so it, it's been very overwhelming. It's been very overwhelming. And I also want to say that I have a lot of friends listening right now. So I do want to say thank you to everybody that has contributed to my GoFundMe that my friend Monet put together for me. I thank all of you very, very much. It's greatly appreciated. In your opinion, uh, how important is it for women to share their stories? You know, it's different for everybody. Um, as you know, I'm a very private person. Very. So for me to do this, it's it's very hard for me to do this. And um, but if if I can help one person, one woman say, you know what? I missed my mammogram last year. I I better go if I can help one person that that would mean the world to me. So we know, and to the calls, I I do apologize. I'm not going to be able to get to them. We do know that knowledge and early detection saves lives. Do you believe women are proactive with their breast health? Not all of us, no. Um, Because like I said, I was going to skip this year because the last several years, they've been good. And again, I'm I'm active. I, I exercise. I eat right. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Some of us are, some of us aren't. Um, I, I think we probably should be more proactive. 
thank you, Tamara. We're going to be following up on her story. She has a GoFundMe page, Breast Cancer Fundraiser for Tamara Tucci. I will be right back. WABC. One man has a talk show on 77 WABC, and that man's name is... It's Dominic Carter. I am him. And with us now, Dominic Carter. Nice to be with you, Dominic. It gets better. You need to talk to Dominic Carter. It's about to go down. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hour number two, Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. We just talked with Tamara Tucci, who's battling breast cancer. A friend of mine, a WABC listener. She's going to have a double mastectomy December 20th. Topics we're dealing with this hour. U.S. warship, multiple commercial ships, attacked in the Red Sea. I am telling you, folks, there's no coincidence that all these things are happening. Did you hear these stories, these types of stories, under President Trump? I don't recall hearing them. Maybe maybe you folks did. We're dealing with the situation as it relates to Israel. As it relates to Israel, uh, Israel has unleashed its 10th, thousandth airstrike on Gaza since the war began October 7th with 700 Palestinians reportedly killed in the past 24 hours alone as the war heats up post cease fire. Unfortunately, Palestinians in Gaza, you have no one else to blame except for Hamas. This as women are coming forward to talk about being brutally, brutally raped. And you knew this was happening. Let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Horrific stories, horrific stories of Hamas attacks in Israel surfacing including the rape of a woman who screamed to be killed. A beautiful woman with the face of an angel raped eight to ten times by Hamas animals, by those animals in Hamas raped eight to ten times. Another tragic victim was beheaded with a shovel trying to defend herself. This is according to someone that witnessed this, a father of four, a 39-year-old father of four, who was at the Nova Music Festival when all those people were killed. And he's stating here, and I want to quote him accurately, I saw this beautiful woman with the face of an angel and eight or ten of the fighters beating and raping her, she was screaming, stop it already. I'm going to die anyway from what you're doing. Just kill me. When they finished, according to this witness, they were laughing, and the last one shot her in the head. Accounts are being released now. Of the terrorists, these animals 
left behind women with bloodied underwear and pelvises broken from the brutal rapes. One man says he will never forget the woman's face. It's interesting what happened on Friday. Friday is when news drops happen, when when people in government don't want you to really react or really know what's going on. The inmate who stabbed former police officer Derek Chauvin 22 times, now charged with attempted murder, and uh, the man is carrying is serving a 30-year prison sentence for carrying out crimes while working as a federal informant. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but wait a minute here. Chauvin was 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 in 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 general population. Rule of thumb is whenever it involves a police officer, they're always confined away from everyone else. Stabbed 22 times. 22 times. And this man murdered another man in 1990 when he was in Folsom Prison. And uh, he's accused of attacking Chauvin in the prison law library around 12.30 p.m. on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And uh, correction officers apparently used pepper spray to subdue him. He claims that he was going to kill Derek Chauvin. And the plot thickens. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but the plot thickens. He says he attacked Chauvin on Black Friday as a symbolic connection to Black Lives Matter. To Black Lives Matter. And uh, he was also a member of the Mexican Mafia prison gang. And his direct words, if correction officers had not responded so quickly, he was going to kill Chauvin. A lot going on. I have not even started with the mentally ill incident in Queens. I'll break that down in just a little bit. And uh, Congressman George Santos, former Congressman George Santos, says the hell with this place as, as he's expelled from Congress promising that he's going to drop a dime now on his colleagues. He was a feature a feature on on uh, Saturday Night Live and uh, also HBO is doing a movie about his life. Isn't that just wonderful? Isn't that just great? Let's start with your telephone calls. Norman in Brooklyn, good morning. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning, Dominic, and thank you for that first topic. That was very touching. Um, You know, we judge a society by how we treat our incarcerated, and uh, Derek Chauvin is in a federal prison, which should be the highest level of security. And this man should have been in solitary or in a very limited population. He should not have been in a general population. And how how they, first of all, how they allowed a man to make a knife, he improvised a knife out of, I don't know, something or other, and uh, and stabbed him. So, yeah, maybe there is some sort of conspiracy involved in this. I don't know. I don't, uh, I'm beginning not to trust anything anymore. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I hope he makes, I hope he can do his bid and survives. 
you know, I mean, I, uh, it's just, uh, it's a horrible thing. And I also find it kind of strange at all that the man gets stabbed when this, uh, this film comes out, which is revealing all sorts of, uh, contradictory things about how, uh, how George Floyd died. I just can, find it very, very strange. Norman, can you imagine uh, how Mr. Chauvin may feel at this point? Anyone that brings you medicine while you're in the uh, hospital, anybody that may change what may be a necessary bedpan, anybody right. that that's mopping the floor, any of those people could be the next one to try and stab you. And this is mm -hmm. the world that he has to deal with. Yeah, it's it's terrible. This guy's a this guy's a former law officer. Uh, right away, he's an enemy inside of there, and he's a law officer who is connected to killing a uh, a person who started a movement apparently. And how how they just allowed people to be around him who would attempt to take his life. And uh, I just, you know, they moved this other guy. I, th I think the, I think they need to investigate this guy very seriously. Uh, I'd like to know, you know, did somebody push a button on him? Did somebody say, oh, you kill him, you know, get rid of him. Well, we'll make your life better. Now, this this other guy is living in some other prison. Who knows? Maybe he's uh, he's got a better life in, in that new prison, you know, because obviously they're, uh, you know, he's, he's a he's a lifer. He's not getting out of there. So maybe they just cut him a deal. I don't know. You know, I just, uh, it's, it's just, uh, inquiring minds want to know, you know, and it's just, uh, it's just terrible. I mean, it just, uh, we're, we're, we're becoming a banana Republic. I mean, that's it. We are a banana hey, Republic. Norman, in a moment, we have a lot of calls. I'm going to move on, but can you imagine, okay, stabbed once now stabbed. Now, obviously we only know from, from what we see on television, about these uh, prison stabbings where they make these shanks out of uh, items. They, they sharpen them up. Can you imagine stab one? Boom. Stab two. Boom. Stab three. Boom. 22, 22 times. times. Yeah. 22 times. Yeah, and, he, and he survived. So he's a tough son of a gun. He was able to survive. 22 times. We don't know how long this item was. 22 <laughs> times. 22 times. That individual Amazing. tried to kill Chauvin. There is no doubt yeah. about it. It's a shame on our on our federal on our penal system that that something like this was allowed to happen. It's 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 an absolute shame. Uh, I there should be a, a very very thorough investigation of this thing. But uh, you know whatever I, I I have a feeling the uh, you know the deep state whoever is behind this they don't they want this guy dead. They want him dead. You know if he's dead they you know there can't be any further uh, any further investigation into this whole thing and the whole the whole relationship of Black Lives Matter and the whole relationship of, of of all these weirdo you know antifa strange groups what what's their relationship with with the fbi with the federal government with with the democrats i mean i don't know you know it just it's uh norman thank you thank you so much welcome. for the call in brooklyn let's go from brooklyn to new jersey good morning michael you're on talk radio 77 wabc yeah yeah good morning one good deed deserves another good deed. If these animals raped these women where one woman was pleading with them to kill her, well, then when the Israeli soldiers go in, I would give every fourth soldier a flamethrower. And I would say, look, they're in the building. They won't come out. I have to burn them out. 
what okay, we did. Okay, 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 Michael. Can can we can we deal with reality? Something? Why I mean, not? I, because every time you're doing this John Wayne thing, you know, That's blow them up, cut them no, into no, a million no. pieces, cut off their testicles, cut off no, their. I breasts. didn't say that you did. I mean, but, but you're saying a flamethrower. Israel can't do that. Why not? We did oh. it to the Japanese in the tunnels. <sighs> we, didn't we use it on them? We're doing the same thing that we, we're telling them not to do the same thing that we did to the Japanese. <laughs> Michael, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm not telling you, them you, not. You, you never see, you never, you never fail to amaze me. You, you, you always, I mean, we, you, you, you take it, you take it to the extreme on oh, everything. Were we extreme? Were we extreme when we used flamethrowers on the Japanese to get them out of the tunnels? Okay, so fi- finish, my friend, my friend, finish with your point. And it's it's quite easy to say that from the comfort of your home. But finish, Why finish is it with quite your, easy? Because it's easy, for, it's easy for you to say. You're not the one doing it. If I was there, I would gladly use a yeah, flame. Yeah, yeah, John Wayne. Go ahead. Well, what do you want them to do? Kiss them? No, you what? Them? No, what I want them to do. What I want them to do is what they're doing right now: bombing nonstop. No, but bring, bring them to their knees. Well, as a matter that. of fact, as a matter of fact, total elimination of Hamas. Oh, That's what I want. No, via I bombing. To, via no, bombing. I can say to you, well, they can't do that. Uh, you know, but of course the they can. Of course they can. But and they Michael, can use flamethrowers. Hey, okay. okay, Michael, please continue your thought. I got to move on. Please continue your thought. What I'm saying is they, they tortured the Israelis. You have to do a little bit of torturing to them. You don't just kill them. Before you kill them, you torture them. Let them have something to remember you by so then maybe they won't do this ever, ever again because they'll say these crazy bastards. So, so I guess the bombing doesn't, doesn't achieve that goal. No, it just kills them. I want oh, them to stop Okay, them. all right. Oh. Thank you, my friend, Michael. Thank you. Let's go to Audrey in Brooklyn. Good morning, Audrey. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. I'm still suffering with this bad throat, but first of all, I, I wanted to call when the woman called about breast cancer, but I couldn't because I, I can, I feel her pain. You know, I, I went through that just knowing about my, my kidneys problem, but you know, so I'm staying strong. You're going to be all right. And anyway, this, this thing with Chauvin, um, something stinks here because maybe I'm not saying maybe it's part of, of him trying to get out, but he didn't die, and the gentleman that stabbed him, he, he has it's nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. I, you know, I'm okay, wait a, wait a minute, Audrey. Wait a minute. First of all, I, I hope your voice gets better. Audrey, are you serious? The man says that he did it in honor of Black Lives Matter, and you're telling me it has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter? A member of Black Lives Matter is what I said. Okay, it's like throwing something oh. out. <laughs> so, okay, so so you said you and you and you, and you also said and you and you also said, oh, he didn't die, Audrey. You or I wouldn't like to be stabbed twenty two times. He could have died, but he didn't. It wasn't his time. So, so that minim- so that right? so that minimizes being stabbed twenty two times. I wouldn't like to be stabbed twenty two times. I, I said I'm sorry it happened, but I can't. I've never been in prison. I know it's just probably brutal, but. How, how, I thought he was in consignment. I thought he was alone. No, he, he, in, in state prison he was. Once the feds got him, he was in general population. Audrey, thank you so much, my friend, for the call, and I hope that your voice uh, gets better. So look at here. Larry in Brooklyn said he was never going to call me again. Now, maybe this is a different Larry, but I see a Larry in Brooklyn. Good morning, Larry. Is this the same guy? 
Yeah, it's the same guy, Dominic. Different time, different day. Yeah, but I thought you said I was stupid and all those other things that you said about me. Well, you touched me with those multiple professions of love for Curtis. Ah. I think if this, if this guy can love Curtis, then he ain't all that bad. You know what I'm saying? Okay, fair enough. Go right ahead, Larry. Okay, Michael sort of uh, stole the thunder out of me, but uh, I was going to say a very similar thing about about Hamas. Israel should have been torturing them in the prisons. You know how good they treat them in the prisons? They let them fraternize each, with each other, celebrate the Muslim holidays, eat together, cook together. I've seen pictures of this, okay? And a lot of the Israeli prisoners get treated worse. Now, they should be tortured because they have to understand that they, you know, they, they look at niceness as a sign of weakness. You're dealing with people that are like the devil, you know, they, to look at kindness as a weakness. So that's why they do this to us. They think that by, out, by being mean and, and nasty and cruel, they're being stronger. That's what they think. That's how sick these people are. So you have to be, that's why the Bible actually says, the Bible actually advocates no mercy. There are places in the Bible that say, when you come into the land, the Israelites, you, you wipe out the men, the women, and the children. That's if they don't want to go peacefully. That's not really said openly, but that's implied. If they don't want to go peacefully, you wipe them all out because you have to be cruel with people because that's what, what that's doing is that is contemplating what they're capable of doing. And now we see very clearly what Hamas is capable of doing. So Israel should have always been cruel. They should have tortured them in prison. And I don't think we would have seen that because they would have been afraid that if they were captured, they would imagine what they would have been subject to. I I hear you, Larry. I, I don't know what's going on with the... Uh, thank you for the call, Larry. Nice to hear from you again. I don't know what's uh, going on with these uh, individuals once, once uh, they're in Israeli uh, prisons. So I can't speculate. I don't know if they're being tortured. I'm, I'm not sure. All I can say is poof, poof, poof. Israel dropping bombs on Gaza... Sorry to innocent people. Go, go, go blame Hamas. Don't look to Israel. Blame Hamas. And all the protesters here in New York, get a life. Get a life. Stop protesting Israel. Why don't you join the protest in support of Israel? Find out what's really going on and support the innocent people here, which happen to be the good people of Israel. Are there innocents on the Palestinian side? Absolutely. But they're mixed amongst devils. They're mixed amongst animals. Animals, as I just described earlier, where they raped this woman, eight to ten men. Would you like to be raped by eight to ten people? So much so that you're bleeding and your pelvis issues and you're dying for them. You're, you're, you're telling them that to kill you, that you'd rather be dead after being raped by eight of these monsters? Let's go to uh, Adam and Mineola. Good morning, Adam. What's on your mind? Good morning, sir. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say that prison stabbings happen a lot. You know, I'm you're acting like you're shocked that somebody got stabbed in the prison. It happens all the time in prisons. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Prison stabbings happen a lot. I, I don't even know if I should respond to that, Adam. Are, are you serious? Okay. Adam, are you serious? Why wouldn't I be serious, sir? I, I, okay, Adam, are you thinking about what you're saying right now? 
Yes. Okay. Adam, newsflash. I know that the media tells us that we're all the same, right? But we're really not. We're really not. And there's a reason why you have high-profile inmates. You know the reason, right? The man's a former police officer convicted in the highest-profile case of killing a black man, and you're going to put him in general population? You might as well kill him yourself. I mean, so are you yeah. re- are you really telling me, oh, oh you know, they, they happen all the time. Do you think – are you serious, Adam? Dominic, the man don't have to go to protective custody. He can sign out of that. That That's true. And that's and so, probably what he did. Okay, well, I, I'm not going to speculate, but I find it hard to believe that a man that was in protective custody in state prison would sign out of it once the feds get him. I find that I find it very hard to believe that a former police officer, knowing that he's a dead man walking in prison, if the other inmates get to him, would want to be amongst general population. So are you telling me I will finish this call the same way I started? Are you telling me that Garrick Chauvin is just like any other prison inmate? Are you really telling me that this morning? He was in the law library. And okay, you got to put in a request to go there. You just and, can't just okay, go there. Okay, so but 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 you didn't answer my question. Are you so telling he was doing me this thing in violation? Are, are you telling me that Derek Chauvin is just like any other prison inmate? Is that what you're telling me? They're not done with him, sir. They're gonna keep on trying to get him. Okay, That's but, but okay, right, but you didn't answer my question. Do you think that Derek Chauvin is just like any other ex-con or con? No, he's a target. Like you said, he's a target. And so, I mean, Adam, thank you for the call. Bottom line, folks, you can't put a police officer, hey, yeah, general population. You'll be all right. Good luck with that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, up to twenty-two stab wounds. Chris, Long Island, good morning. What's on your mind, Chris? How you doing, Dominic? Uh, I got to tell you, these past couple of callers, uh, they're not using their heads. Everyone's <laughs> uh, talking about how bad the torture is, and then he's like, well, we should do the same thing. It's, it's insane. But my question Welcome that's to I my called. world. Called, Go ahead. The, the reason I called was, how did they have Chauvin? I went to court a couple of days ago, but I couldn't get you. How did they get, how did they do the trial without this new autopsy report that said that he didn't die from being knelt on? Well, there are a couple of things that Chauvin's attorneys are trying to get introduced now. Uh, who knows right. what's going to happen? But oops, what a coincidence. He was stabbed 22 times. And, and you know, he made well, it this time, that, but, but the next time he didn't make it. Oops. Sorry. There can't be a trial. He's no longer alive. Let me take a high, You just said a high profile. He should have been nowhere near anywhere that could, that should have never been able to even happen. First of all, rule, rule of thumb. And, and and the feds are very good at protecting people uh, when they want to be. He should not be. I know this is going to sound awful what I'm about to say, Chris, but he should not been around any other Latino inmate or any other African-American inmate. Because if, uh, yeah. if he is, he's a dead man. You got losers Absolutely. in prison, losers in prison and say, hey, you know, my life ain't worth anything. Uh, yeah, I'm not getting out in a lifetime. I'm going to kill. I'm going to kill Derek Chauvin. I'm going to yeah, be they a star. For some, for some uh, street cred. Right. For street <laughs> credibility. Right. 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 And right. so, you know, 
All I'm saying, and then, and then you know, the last caller, Adam says, oh, well, he, he's in prison. I mean, it, 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 just like when Adam calls up here and says that Trump is just like anybody else, should be treated. That sounds good, right? It wrong. sounds <laughs> right, wrong. Do you think somebody that's worth the money that man is worth is just like anybody else? No, no. And when it, I mean, ahead. it's supposed to be, but right. it's not. But it's not. But it's not. Chris, thank you for the uh, call. Thank you very much. Let's go to Al and Yonkers. Good morning, Al. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, good morning to you, Dominic. You know what happened to the, the cop, uh, Derek Chauvin? Uh, Derek Chauvin. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a sad situation that happened, but, you know, the federal or prisons officials a lot of times make a lot of uh, blunders and it costs people their lives. Uh, you remember Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger was the uh, Irish-American. Out of Boston. From Boston, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how Sa- could they make such a mistake? Yeah, they sent them to Hazleton, West Virginia, where it was a known fact that the New England Mafia had many uh, of their members there. And I think he lasted one day. They beat his head in, and nobody was held accountable. Nobody was transferred. And it was like, that's, I mean, it was, you know, inexcusable that nobody, uh, you know, got terminated or in trouble for that. And uh, it's just unfortunate. But that was uh, an example I wanted to bring up. What happened to Whitey Bulger was a disgrace. Well, you know, these things happen, Al, in federal prison. They they should not happen, but it just seems like it's a way of the world. And, um, yes. you know, for, for the news dump to come on a Friday night when they know that the public is not paying attention. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Derek Chauvin, who we told you last Friday was stabbed. Well, you know, yeah. maybe it goes beyond a little bit of a stabbing. It happened, it happened 22 times. Wow. Can you imagine the pain oh. of being stabbed 22 times? No, it's unimaginable. I, I mean, all, all we can do is hope that he was unconscious after maybe the, uh, and thank you for the call, Al. Thank after, you. After maybe the second or third, or third stabbing, since there was still 19 more to go. 19 more to go. Let's go to Miguel, our friend Miguel in Flushing. Good morning, Miguel. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. It's good that you have two hours Sunday. Thank uh, you. Thank you, my friend. And so um, with Derek Chauvin, I don't believe these documentaries that are coming out. He, I think he is where he belongs, but he shouldn't be with other inmates. I mean, that's kind of crazy. I'm surprised that he's lived this long, to be honest with you. Mm. But he is guilty. Um, he was All this story that's coming out now, I don't believe any of it. Why not? He put his his knee on that man's neck for nine minutes almost. Uh, no, okay, but wait, 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 Miguel. In prison. I, I hear you, Miguel, and I think you know I have a lot of respect for you, right? So what about the body cam videos? I mean, Mr. Floyd, with all due respect uh, to, to his family and, and him, mm-hmm. hopefully he rests in peace. Mr. Floyd was high out of his mind. You are aware of that, right? He was high, and he did. No, no, I mean, arrest. out of his mind, out of his mind. Yeah, and he resisted arrest. And but and he that resisted mean and, that you and, kill a man. No, no, no. You're right. You're right, Miguel. But 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 uh, we later found out via the autopsy that fentanyl was in his system. We later found but out that the man. Why, that's not why he died. Okay, wait. He wait. had his knee okay, on his neck okay, for let, nine minutes. Okay, okay. Well, I don't. No, no. I don't think he had his knee on his neck for nine minutes. I think he had his knee. He was and, on the ground. People were telling okay, him to wait, get off. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let that me, case to okay. me is cut clear okay. that he's guilty. No, it's not cut clear. People want to believe it's cut clear, but it's not. 
Now, now, there are certain points during that nine minute nine minutes where he had his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck. That is unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. Yeah. But it was not on his on his neck for the full nine minutes. For well, some didn't point the autopsy went when they went to the case, didn't it show that Right, the pressure on his neck was right, what right, killed right, him. Right, 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 right. And Miguel, we both know that if you get to the doctor, you can get the doctor to say anything you want him to say. Period. So you, so you did. The lawyers went and uh, well, they, one of the allegations went. in in the documentary is that the feds questioned the uh, autopsy doctor several times, and then all of a sudden the autopsy changed. The initial autopsy mm. said that he did not die. From from uh from uh losing air, uh pointed to uh drugs in his system and so on. All I'm saying, Miguel, is listen, I understand when I state what I state about the George Floyd case, I understand that I am fighting an uphill battle. I get it, my friend. I really do get it. Because people think that you see what you see and you're told that, yeah, I, that, that I just you know, you see a man on the ground. If he had, they said he had heart problems too. He, he had, did. Um, he did. He did. Heart failure. Yes, he but did. But if you put a knee on somebody's neck that has congestive heart failure, they're gonna die quicker. Okay, but I mean, but, that just but, makes sense. Okay, Miguel, I'm not excusing the knee on the neck, right? Because he also had it on part of the back, and then once it's mm-hmm. on part of the back, then uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Chauvin and, and some of his colleagues are saying that was part of the training, right? where maximal restraint technique, which is how you restrain with a knee on the back, uh, people that are arrested, that are out of control, that are drugged on them, out of their minds, until EMS gets there and and shoot them up with therazine or whatever they're going to shoot them up with to get them to calm down. All I'm saying to you, Miguel, is please look at Minneapolis falling. Just please, just do me a favor, I, my I, friend. I mean, I see both sides. No, 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 no. I want you to look. Um, I want you to look. Alive, my friend, my friend, you know, you know I got nothing but love for you. I want mm-hmm. you to look at the documentary. Just look at it. Where, where is the documentary? It's online. It, it's, it. it's free. Minneapolis okay. uh, uh, is falling. It's on. You can get on YouTube. Okay. You can get. It's a website. On Netflix or something like that. Uh, no, no. You you have to go to Netflix. Just put in Minneapolis oh, okay. is falling. Just do me a favor. Just do me this solid. Just look okay. at the documentary and then and then let's talk right. about it. Now maybe maybe you'll call me up and say, Dominic, you're out of your mind. I looked at the documentary, <laughs> but you see, but but we can't have the conversation until you've seen the documentary. Unfortunately, okay. uh, Mr. Floyd, Mr. Floyd was high out of his mind. And all of that could have been avoided. All of it could have been avoided. Yeah, well, well if, he, if he didn't resist arrest, he probably would still be alive. Right. But and, I will I will watch the documentary and then okay. come call you back and let you know what, what I see from there. But fair, um, fair enough. Yeah, but he, he, again, these stories go back and forth because, you know, when the police stops you, the main thing to do is to cooperate. Right. We but agree if you on that. Or whatever, we agree on that. But I, I, I just think that nine minutes is too long on a match. Right. But, but, but you're, I will you're, go you're, buy, you're buying a media narrative, Miguel. His knee was not his his knee was not on his neck for a full nine minutes. Thirty seconds could okay. be too long. I'm all. I'm, thank yeah. you for the call. All I'm saying, folks, is don't believe me, Dominic. How could you say that about George Floyd? George Floyd is our angel. George Floyd is our hero. How could you say that, Brother Dominic? 
It's easy. I'm the same guy that would go after police when police did wrong. And I'm telling you that George Floyd, this case is not clean cut. It's the narrative that you've been given. You are being given an okie doke. Dominic Carter, everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are taking your telephone calls on this Monday morning. Dominic Carter here with you. We also have the situation of two police officers stabbed, four people also uh, stabbed and killed, four family members. A woman is fighting for her life after her nephew stabbed her and killed four of her family members. What did she do? She took the mentally ill man in who was facing homelessness just weeks before he went on this murderous rampage. Police were forced to shoot and kill Courtney Gordon, 38 years old, after he stabbed two officers responding to the home at Beach 22nd Street near Elk Drive in Far Rockaway around 5, 10 a.m. To those of you that criticize police, think about this. 5 a.m. in the morning, right? We all saw NYPD and Dominic police brutality. And you've changed, Dominic. You've changed. You side with the police all the time. Yes, I do. You respond to a call at 5 o'clock in the morning where a man has stabbed four people, killed them, tried to set fire to the home, and then stabs you and your partner at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning, mental illness. I've talked about this, folks. I've tried to give you a a clear indication personally with my own experience with my own mother who was a chronic paranoid schizophrenic for for literally the first uh, eight years of my life. I thought it was normal that I would see my own mother maybe here and there. Here and there, she was often institutionalized from the state of Georgia to Pilgrim State to Rockland State to Bellevue. And when she was fine, and this is why I always define words, fine must be defined here. Fine is defined as when she was on her medication And when she was on her medication, I would have to take her to the park instead of her taking me. And she would say, Dominic. That's the way she would talk on on high doses of therazine. And and looking at her psychiatric records years later, like many people today, she didn't like to take her medication because it made her feel like a zombie. When she did not take her medication, uh... I was uh, the victim of um, of her rage, hospitalized numerous times. My family doesn't like for me to talk about these things. They only want me to discuss the story of Dominic, uh, you know, from the hood to success. But that 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 wouldn't be the full story. The full story includes my my battle to overcome my mother's mental illness. That's what I talk about a lot around the country, from Canada to many states uh, 
here in the country. We've got to understand it, it really is not that simple. With, with people that are mentally ill, as the situation is this man, Mr. Gordon, he was upset his wife had left him, became homeless, and he determined he was going to kill everybody. We don't know if he was on his medication, off his medication. All types of situations come into play. We do know two police officers respond trying to help, and they're stabbed as well, and they have to use deadly force. The world that we live in, folks. Let's continue with uh, with your telephone calls this morning. Let's go to Mark and Tom's River. Good morning, Mark. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you, Dominic, for having me. Good morning. Um, go right ahead. I, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to speak on a Daryl Chauvin. I saw it's the Fall of Minneapolis dot com. You can get the movie, I believe. Yes, you but can. But I saw it on Rumble. But I think independently, it's the Fall of Minneapolis dot com. Okay, go ahead. What's and your point? It's a shame because you need to see the movie. He mostly kneeled on his shoulder. Correct. But then for him to now go to jail for this, okay, and get shivved 20-something times? 22. Right. And recently, the film came out, and all of a sudden, if he's dead, they can't have a retrial. Correct. There's no purpose. Correct. So everything gets buried. You think it's by accident he got shivved? I don't think so. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy uh, guy. With, with all due respect to Mr. Chauvin and his family, I think that he was a dead man walking the moment he went to prison. Period. And then put him in the general population. That's that's a cop? right. That's that you what? wouldn't you wouldn't put any cop in 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 general no. population. Solitary spe- confinement. Right. You know. So so you the 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 superintendent or whatever the term is of of this federal uh, medium security prison in in Tucson, Arizona, you wouldn't admit this, but you would say to your staff, do put him in solitary. Do not have him near any Latino inmates, which you're not supposed to do. Do not have him under any circumstance near any African American inmates because oh. if, because if he is, they are going to kill him. Period. You imagine in the cafeteria or uh, on or the prison the library court. But but imagine yeah. a prison library. You may not even see this guy. You may be looking at a computer terminal or looking a at a book. Law library. And, and 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 he the shanks you right. And he shanks you twenty two times. And and he he was a federal informant. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm just telling you the facts, right? I agree. He, yeah. he, he was a federal informant. By happenstance. Right. And um, and he said he was doing this on Black Friday in honor of Black Lives Matter. Way to go. Black Lives Matter. I hope you're proud yeah. of yourself. I hope you're proud of yourself. Mark, thank you for and the- And the guy still breathes. Yes, yes. Thank, God bless. He thank he'll you. get a day in court again, hopefully. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Peter, Staten Island. Good morning, Peter. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. I agree with you. I feel the same way about everything and the calls that have been calling. You know, we're never going to know the real story. The real story, only one person saw it. And I'm not a church goer. I'm not a believer. I had six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. I had a near-death experience from an infection through my whole body that was from a scraped knee. And I'm going to say this. God 
only knows what happens, and he'll judge. And we're not to judge. We're not. We we could have our thoughts. We could play uh, arm, uh, arm, uh, armchair quarterback. quarterback. But in this case, we got to see what the findings come out. I believe in the conspiracy, but I don't know the facts. So I right. just have to go and hear the facts. Peter, thank you. Thank you for your call. We see your calls, folks, from Queens, the Pennsylvania, and South Carolina. I've got to take a break. When we come back, the Chronicles of Dominic Carter coming up at 1 a.m., Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. Horrific, horrific news stories, but you knew these things were happening of Hamas attacks in Israel have surfaced, including the rape of a beautiful woman with a face of angel who screamed to be killed. One man says he witnessed eight to 10 members of Hamas, eight to 10 members of Hamas rape this one woman. He says, quote, she was screaming, stop it already. I'm going to die anyway from what you're doing. Just kill me. Gang raped and slaughtered on October 7th. So when you're protesting, pro-Palestinian protests in New York, around the country, around the world. Consider the victims of Israel. Consider what happened to that one woman. Consider that could have been your sister, your wife, your daughter that was raped by eight to ten men, and then they killed her anyway. She was bleeding. A number of these women that that were raped were was bleeding, pelvis broken, and we want to pretend these things did not happen. We are taking your telephone calls up until the top of the hour. Frank Morano standing by for the other side of midnight coming up. A lot of you want to talk about Derek Chauvin, the police officer in the George Floyd case. Revealed he was stabbed 22 times. The man that did it, part of a Mexican gang, uh, former, or excuse me, not former, FBI informant, stabbed him 22 times. 22 times. Tony in Florida, good morning. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning. I wanted to say that I went to the police academy in Florida in 1989. Then we were taught to use the knee on the neck to control somebody. And I had to use it twice in my career. One time I was arresting a drunk driver by myself who was fighting me while I was trying to cover. And while on the ground, I had to put my knee on her neck to get her hands behind her back. But it was less than a minute. And the second time there was a man that was fighting three other officers while they had him up against the car. And even though there were three of them, they couldn't get him cuffed. So I climbed on the hood and put my knee on his neck, and they cuffed him, and it was less than 30 seconds. Both times, I did not put all my weight down, only enough to hold him in place. And as soon as it was possible, I got my knee off of him. 
from what I saw from Derek when he made the arrest, I know part of the time he had his uh, knee on his shoulder, which seemed to control him. What I don't understand is why he ever put his knee on the man on Floyd's neck. I, I hear you, Tony, and obviously I'm not an expert on this. In fact, you have more experience than I do. I can only uh, speculate after what, okay, here's what we know. Chauvin was not part of the first two officers that responded. Mr. Floyd was high as a kite, right? And he gave yes. the first two officers hell. They could yes. not get him into the back of the vehicle. They tried everything in their power. He fell to the ground. Uh, he would not sit still, and considering his size, they couldn't get him in the car. So they opened. Did they up. ever put ankle cuffs on him? Well, that that, he... that that's the same question that a, a, a buddy of mine who who's a, in law enforcement said. He says, "Dom, you know, there's still no excuse for what Mr. Chauvin did for the knee on the neck at any point, and that they should have put the ankle bracelets on him, and you wait for medical personnel to shoot him up." And and knock them out, and then you just take them to jail or to the hospital. So right. so so I you know I I'm not in law enforcement. I I can only tell you this much, Tony, that uh, the knee on the neck is troubling. That part is there's, yes. there's no getting around that. That's troubling. But we have to be honest and say for that nine minutes, the entire time it was not on Mr. Floyd's neck. Minimal training. I forgot the name of it, but what you're referring to. You put one when, yeah. when an inmate is hand when a person a prisoner is out of control handcuffed. You still can't control them. You put one knee on the back to control them and hold them in place until medical personnel arrives. Medical personnel right. in the Floyd case eight blocks away, but it took them twenty minutes. There are so many other issues at play, Tony. So, bottom line, you feel what as it relates to this case? I'm just confused why. He decided to put the pressure on his neck when the pressure on his shoulder was working so well. Right. It was like he was intentionally trying to hurt the man. I, 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 you know, I'm only speculating. I'm not in Mr. Chauvin's head. I, I think that they were very frustrated. This went on and on and on and on, and he would not comply, Mr. Mr. Floyd. He did not want yes. to get into that car because he knew that meant he was going to jail. And he I had fought. people like that too, but we usually picked them up and tossed them inside. No, they tried that. They tried that because of his size. They couldn't, even though he was handcuffed, they couldn't get him in the car. That's uh-huh. why. They, that's why they decided to take him out. And so, uh, my buddy, who's in law enforcement, NYPD, now down in Georgia, he says, "Dom, and thank you, thank you for the call, Tony." He says, "Dom, when we have a situation well, like that." What we do is, he, he was telling me the other day they had a 400-pound guy that, that declares he's not going to jail. He says, you just wait him out. You, you put, you, first thing you do is you get a commander on the scene. You get a commander on the scene. And it's mighty ironic that when these bad things go down, there's never a commander anywhere to be found. Isn't that interesting? Whenever it, these bad things happen, you can never get a commander on location, right? So that means that... The officers on scene are left holding the bag. They become the victims because the commanders are like, uh-uh, I'm not touching it. I'm not going there, right? So he says, Dom, you know, there's no way to explain the knee on the neck, period. He said, Dom, I, I would have, uh, I would have, uh, you know, uh, just sit him, set him up on the side of the car, wait for EMS, 
Let EMS drug him up or EMS call the doctor. The doctor say, give him some therazine, shoot him up. Let, let the EMS shoot him up, and then you just take him to jail. Period. Period. We are taking your telephone calls up until the top of the hour, Robert in Pennsylvania. Good morning, Robert. What's on your mind? Hi, Dominic. It's good to talk to you again. And I'll admit that I have not seen the, um, the video that you're referring to. Um, I was always suspect of everything, and you mentioned it. When they talked to the coroner, and this was just when they did the pre-opsy, okay? And he said that he didn't see indication that it caused murder. They talked to him. He comes back out a day later, says he's going to review the report again. They talk to him again, and he comes out, and he's suddenly lockstep. It's sort of like with that... Uh, what that crazy lady in Baltimore did in the Freddie Gray case. They get up there and they say, without knowing the facts, because of the optics, they play to their crowd. We're going to get this guy for you. They don't care about guilt or innocence. Okay? Now, that I can kind of wrap my mind around, all right? But when you have the federal government getting involved, and then the guy gets stabbed 22 times by a 57-year-old white man who used to be an FBI informant who says that he did it to strike a blow for BLM, that just sounds like a beautiful little narrative to tie this case up and throw it away, doesn't it? I am so suspect they got to prove to me that what they said happened happened. That's where I am at this point when the federal government's involved. It's... I don't trust them, and it's getting downright scary. Well, they, they, don't, I, they don't have to prove anything. They already got the conviction. That's the bottom oh, yeah. line. Before all the facts were out. It's like everything. Exculpatory evidence is gotten rid of. And, and I mean, deliberately, with premeditation, gotten rid of just to fit a narrative. What happens to this guy, they could care less about. They're scoring political points, and they're riding the wave of anger, and they don't care who gets swept up in it or what happens as a result. They are evil, they are pathetic, and they deserve to be defeated more than any administration I've seen in my 60 years, Dominic. That's how bad I think it is. I, I, I mean, I, I hear uh, you, Robert. I, I hear you, and thank you for the uh, call this have a morning. Great night, man. You have too. A great night. Let's go from Pennsylvania to Brooklyn. Let's say good morning to Anthony. Good morning, Anthony. What's on your mind? Morning, Dominic. Thank you for taking it so quickly. Um, just wanted to weigh in on that, on the Chauvin. Uh, I didn't see the documentary as yet. It was sent to me. Um, really have to be in the right state of mind to watch that because I understand the logistics of all that happened. And then, of course, uh, the ultimate death of George Floyd because so many things were lax before that. And I don't understand uh, some of the things as you rightly pointed out why a supervisor was not called on the scene immediately but okay that didn't happen hey, so hey anthony wait anthony i want you to finish but but that that's something that i'm trying to get people to understand and to think about right. this for a second right, right. so yep. Yep. so people say oh well why police didn't do this why didn't they do that whenever something serious goes down like this you can never find a commander why is that that's a great point. That's a great point. And there was none there. I, I, you know what? I assume there was one there. And now you're relying on this guy. You're relying on Chauvin with how many years of experience to kind of take over the scene, which what they did. But prior to that, Dominic, prior to that, 
prior to even showing uh, doing what he did, he was arrested uh, in another location. So how did they get him to from point A to point B? They walked him. They walked him. Yes, did they, they did. not. Yes, yes. Yeah. So from the point of the arrest, out of the van, okay, up against the wall, he they sit him down. Not a problem. You could tell he wasn't a fighter at that point. He just didn't want to be arrested and go to jail. Okay. So why don't you wait for a bus, an ambulance? Why don't you wait for the ambulance? Because once you get him, even if you could get him in that car and take him to the station, else guess what? He's going to the hospital anyhow. No, no supervisor who's worth his salt on the desk is going to allow you to bring this guy in is pumped up as he is. Well, let, let me ask you, and he was pumped up. He was high as a kite. But let, let me let me ask you this, Anthony. You're, you're retired right. NYPD? Correct. So is my assumption correct? The reason why he didn't want to go in that vehicle is because he knew once you're in that vehicle, there's a 90% chance you're going to jail? Absolutely. He so, knows it. He's been through the system before. Right. He knows the system. So, so he, he knew what game to we, run to try and stay. Of he, he said, he said a, a million things. He, he said that he was claustrophobic. He said he had just had COVID. He was trying anything and everything. Anything, right? Anything. All the street excuses not to go into that patrol car. Okay, pal, no problem. Sit there and we'll wait for the ambulance, and then we'll throw your ass in the ambulance. And and, and that right, and that, that's what my buddy says. I I got to wrap this up, Anthony. Take, Okay, Anthony, buddy, I, I, so Anthony, much. Anthony, I please give me a call tomorrow night or then at some point this week. I really want to continue the conversation with you. Thank you very much, folks. I, I thank you. I apologize. We can't get to all the calls. I want to say my colleague Frank Morano is here and good morning to you, sir. Hello, Dominic. How was your weekend? It was great. A great first hour on the uh, on the breast cancer situation. I think you help a lot of people just by bringing awareness to that. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty close to a lot of women over the years that have had breast cancer and it's never an easy thing to, for people to deal with so uh, kudos to you. Um, Thank you we got a lot going on with the show today we're going to follow up a little bit on this Chauvin situation there's two interesting aspects of this stabbing and what we're learning about it that I think it's fascinating and I haven't heard much people many people paying attention to this also most people believe there were four presidents assassinated I'm going to show evidence that there was a fifth wow Frank Marano the other side of midnight coming up right now